0: Alright, so here at Vespers this semester, we're walking through the book of First Peter together. If you weren't here last week, we kind of did an intro over the book, and we talked about um, that Peter is writing a letter. He's writing a letter to a group of Gentile Christians who feel like strangers or aliens in the society they live in because of their decision to follow Jesus. And we also talked about Um, how Peter was writing to encourage them because not fitting in is hard, right? Um, Being persecuted is hard. And so Peter is writing to encourage them to not give up and to let them know they've made the right decision, that the decision to be a stranger when it means following Jesus is worth it. So for us, we also, if we want to choose to be followers of Jesus... Um, that means like that we're gonna be strangers in this world a lot of the time. We're not gonna fit in with the patterns of society, what the world says is normal for us, right? So, it's gonna be hard, and you're gonna get, um, you're gonna have to make choices all the time, whether you would rather fit in or if you're willing to be a stranger to stand out because of your faith and because you're passionate about following Jesus. So we're gonna be talking about that together this semester. We're gonna learn about stranger things together and I hope we can encourage each other and learn from the encouragements of Peter. So we're gonna start where we left off in chapter one, starting in verse six. If you have your Bibles or your Bible journals, you can turn there, it'll also be up on the screen. Also, if you don't have a Bible, Of your own, we have some in front of the sound booth back there, I believe. They're little blue Bibles. If you would like one, you can take that home with you. Chapter 1, 1 Peter, starting in verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith To look. Okay, so what Peter is saying here is we're gonna be presented with trials, right? Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, this world is gonna throw trials at us. There is brokenness and evil, and we're gonna be faced with trials, big or small, throughout our lives. And so Peter is saying, as followers of Jesus, we have an opportunity with our trials. The way that we get to look like a stranger, or one of the ways we get to look like a stranger is how we handle when trials come our way. Okay, so he compares this, um, this opportunity to gold being tested in fire. So when gold is tested in fire, it gets really, really hot, and all the impurities of the gold melt away, and then the gold, um, the pure gold is what remains, and then when it's Purified by the fire, it becomes or comes out even more beautiful. And the same thing happens with our faith when we're tested in trials. It might be painful for a little while, there might be impurities that need to be removed, but our faith will be proved more genuine. And so, I want to talk about a few things here that Peter's saying that um, might be a little bit confusing. The first is that he talks about rejoicing but also grieving. These people he's talking to are supposed to be rejoicing, but they're grieving. So how, how did the two go together? I love how John Calvin explains it. He says this, it seems somewhat inconsistent when he, Peter, says that the faithful who exalt with joy are at the same time sorrowful for these are contrary feelings. But the faithful know by experience that these things can exist together much better than can be expressed in words. However, to explain the matter in a few words, it may be put like this. The faithful are not logs of wood. Nor have they so deprived themselves of human feelings as to be unaffected by sorrow, unafraid of danger, unhurt by poverty, and untouched by the hard and unbearable persecutions. Hence, they experience sorrow because of evils, but it is so mitigated by faith, they never cease at the same time to rejoice. Thus, sorrow does not prevent their joy, but rather gives space. Or place to it. Okay, so let's let's unpack that a little bit. So last week we talked about how that they're going to receive these people who are choosing to be strangers in this world might lose their earthly inheritance, right? But they are going to gain an inheritance in heaven that is far better than anything that we could ever get here on earth. And so looking forward to that should cause us to rejoice. But when things are thrown our way, when trials are thrown our way, and they will be, um, it's going to be hard. And what Calvin is saying here is Christians don't have to be emotionless. Christians shouldn't be logs of wood, is what he calls us. Um, we are allowed to experience hurt and pain, and we are, it's okay for us to confess when we're struggling, when we're sad, when we're hurting. I think for a lot of Christians, we think that when we're going through something hard and to prove that our faith is real, we just have to put a smile on our face and act like everything's all perfect and fake it till you make it. But that's not helpful. We're humans. We're allowed to feel the things of humans. So you don't have to be logs of wood. And if you need to be convinced any further that you're allowed to have emotions, just go spend some time in the Psalms. The Psalms have a wide range of emotion. Um, One Psalm, uh, Psalm 25 says, turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged, bring me out of my distress. So this is one of many examples that you can hear the Psalmist saying, I am struggling Lord and I need help. And so we are allowed to say when we're struggling, when we have trials, It's okay to say you're hurting, you're sad. And I would encourage you to go pray the Psalms. Go read through them. And when you don't have words to say yourself, they can help you process. But when we are in a season of trial, and in a season of pain, it reminds us that we need a savior, right? It reminds us that we don't have to be left there in our pain and in death. We're reminded that Jesus died on the cross and we have hope to look to, and it draws us closer to God and makes us realize we are in need of a savior. And so that's where this both and happens, that we get to rejoice in what's to come and rejoice that we know that Jesus is gonna return again and that he has paid the penalty for all our sins. But sometimes life is hard right now, right? So, where do you turn in trials? Where do you go to? Do you, you go to, the, to God or to things of this world? Do you turn to trust or do you turn to control in trials? When you're suffering, when you're going through something hard. Do you turn to Jesus as your Lord and Savior or do you Turn to things like sex and money and power and drinking and revenge and comfort to be your savior when you're going through trials. I think this is what proves our faith genuine is where are you going to turn to when you're in a season of trials? Where are you going to turn to? And when our faith is proved genuine, we realize that Jesus is the only one that we can turn to. He's the only one that can give us hope. Nothing else in this world can. Right? That's what proves our faith genuine, is when we realize Jesus is the only answer. And when Peter is saying that when our faith is tested and proved more precious than gold, it results in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So if you were here on Sunday, you heard Austin talk about Revelation, right? Because we're studying the book of Revelation as a church together. And what did did he say Revelation means? Does anyone remember? Unveiling. Yes, so the unveiling of Jesus Christ. And so when our faith is proved genuine, what does it do? It continues to unveil Jesus Christ. It continues to make him more and more real to us, and we n- need him more and more. And I also think it's really cool here that a little bit further down, Peter is saying, um, in your trials, uh, he's he's encouraging them and affirming them that they still these people he's writing to, they still believe in Jesus and they love Jesus even though they didn't get to see him personally. And I think this is really cool to notice because sometimes I think when we think about the people in the Bible, we think that they all got to experience Jesus and God in different ways than we did. But Peter is someone who got to walk with Jesus, right? He got to live life side by side alongside of Jesus. He got to eat meals with Jesus. He got to see Jesus after he died on the cross and rose again. It's pretty cool. But now Peter is writing and affirming these people who didn't get to see Jesus. And he's affirming that your faith is pretty awesome because you still believe in him and you still love him even though you didn't see him. And so I want you guys to experience that same affirmation. We don't don't get to see Jesus right here standing next to us, but we still believe him. We still love him. And then a little further down, he's talking about but, even though you didn't get to see Jesus, the prophets who were prophesying about the Messiah's return, they didn't even get to hear the final story. But you do. You do know what happened, that Jesus died on the cross. You do know the good news of the gospel, right? So that's, that's a gift in itself. And so in our trials, what, what, do our, what does our faith reveal in our trials? Real quick, before we talk about trials in our our table discussions, I want to talk about some unhelpful things that Christians like to say to typically other Christians when they're going through a hard time. Um, Two of those, we could probably list a whole bunch of quotes that really aren't helpful that we like to say, but two of them that I want to talk about for a second are everything happens for a reason, and God will never give you more than you can handle. A lot of you have probably been told that, right, when you're going through something really hard. And is that very helpful to you in the moment? Like you might want to slap somebody across the face and be like, no, it feels like I've got more than I can handle right now, please don't tell me that. So a few reasons why I think this isn't helpful is because one, I don't think God is sitting up in heaven like, hmm, how can I give Sydney something that's going to like push her almost over the edge to test her faith? What hard thing can I put on Sydney's life today that's going to test her faith? I don't, I don't think that God is doing that. I think that when trials and hard things come our way, it's because of the brokenness and the sin and the evil in our world. I don't think God is making the bad things happen. I also think that when you say everything happens for a reason, what about the things that we can't explain why they happened? Like what about things like relationships falling apart or abuse or violence in schools or the diagnosis of a loved one or disaster wiping out an entire city. When we say that God does everything for a reason, and then we are left to figure out the reason behind those things, it's gonna put a lot of us in a crisis of faith, right? Then that's what happens for a lot of people, like, Why, how would God do this? And I think the only answer to a lot of these really bad, horrible, unexplainable things in this world is because it's a broken world, and we, we need a savior. And so being careful how we're encouraging people in their trials is really important. Um, and also telling someone, God doesn't give you more than you can handle, that's actually not anywhere in scripture. Um, Paul says God's not going to give you any temptation, more temptation than you can handle, but that's not talking about trials. That's not talking about suffering. Um, Dave did a whole sermon on this about a year ago, so if you wanna listen to a whole sermon about why that's not true, um, you can look at it on our website or ask me and I'll find it for you. Um, You gotta do some digging. But just, I wanna encourage you guys to be careful in the way that you're encouraging people because those things, those saying things like that shape the way people view God. And it's important that we view God correctly, right? So, we're gonna get really real, real quick in our table discussions. And here's our questions for tonight, for the first one at least. How do you handle trials? How have trials tested your faith and what did it reveal? And how do you view God in trials? Have fun. All right. So, does anyone want to share anything they feel like is helpful to share with the group about how you have handled trials, um, or something that trials revealed to you about your faith, or how you view God in trials? Anyone want to talk?
1: Can you hear me?
0: Should be on. Can you hear me?
1: Wait. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> my name's Haley. Um, we talked about mostly like how trials have tested our faith, and we all kind of came to the agreement that the stronger your faith is, the more trials you're going to see, and that's just like spiritual warfare, honestly, Satan trying to win you over, and how we viewed God. Yeah, I think, I think oh. something's
0: important to notice about that. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you real no, quick. Good. That's I, like spiritual warfare. I think when the enemy sees that you are on fire for the Lord and really turning to him, then of course the enemy's going to try and push more and more on you to break you, right? Like that's not God adding these things to just make himself feel better about your faith. It's the enemy. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Hold the mic really close to your face too. Sorry. Wait, can I get the
1: questions back up there, please? I forgot.
0: Can we get the questions back up? People in the back are running it, so.
1: Sorry. Thank okay. you. Um, we also talked about how we view God, and a lot of us, like, before we were strong Christians, we kind of came at it with a sense of anger, like, every time something happened, like, God, why would you do this? Why would you put me through that? And now it's kind of like, how can I use this bad situation that I've been put in for glory to the kingdom or for changing something for someone else? Yeah and it's kind of the consensus that we came to, so. For sure.
0: Yeah, because the way that you decide to handle your trials and your outlook on them, it has a big impact on the people around you. For sure. Anyone else? Allie.
1: Hey, guys. Um, so I'm gonna talk about like, how we like, handle trials. I feel like a lot of us talked about um, community Um, now that like, we've talked about kind of like what Haley was saying, like when we weren't in faith, it was easy to like turn to like isolation, um, to like numbing the pain and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but talking about like now, like being in our faith and like being in small groups or just like coming to Vespers and like pouring out to like other people who know who God is and know who you are, like is so important to like hold each other accountable and not also to hold each other accountable, but to not carry that burden like alone. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what we talked yeah, about.
0: Yeah, that. that's good. Yeah, because if you're running to people who aren't also running to Jesus, they're going to tell you to numb those trials or do things that will make you forget about them that are not helpful and are probably only going to cause more pain. <laughs>
1: um, so we were, some of us also said like, we always would like go to our parents or like our parents would always be there. And now like being at college, like we don't have them. And so it's, like, like at least for me, like, revealed these past couple weeks that, like, I can do it on my own. And, like, I can be with God on my own. And, like, I don't need my parents, you know, all the time helping me. And so just, like, turning to God and, like, finding a church and just plugging into people around you is just, like, will be really helpful when, like, all your life you've leaned on them.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, coming to college to definitely is a trial in itself that proves your faith genuine because um, you can decide, yeah, this is all my parents thing and, and I don't care. Or you can decide to invest on your own with no one hovering over your shoulders. Manning?
1: Um, one thing that we talked about is viewing trials as God's reminder to us to turn back on to him because The saying that God won't give us anything that we can't handle isn't true, but God will give us stuff that we can't handle, but he'll never give give us anything that he can't handle. And so by giving us things that we can't handle, he's allowing us to have that reminder that we fully have to rely on him in order to overcome these
0: things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, trials are such an opportunity to grow closer to God, and he wants us to... I don't, I, I didn't have the best relationship with my parents um, growing up in some ways because I wanted to be super independent, um, but I remember when I was struggling and sad, like my parents wanted me to talk to them, and I, I wish that I would have realized how much they were there for me, you know, and the same way our Heavenly Father wants us to realize He's there for us and you can come to Him. You don't have to act all tough and like you got it all together. Anyone else? Okay, well, one thing I want us to realize, or maybe two things, is, yeah, everything might not happen for a reason, but God can turn everything for his good, right? God can use everything for his good even when the trials the horrible things in this world don't make sense. He can make good things come out of it. Um, and two, I want if you're taking notes, write this down. Your identity is rooted in a spiritual reality that transcends your circumstances. Yeah, lots of big words. Yeah, take a picture of it. But I want you to remember this. Whether you're going through a trial right now, or you have one right around the corner, you're gonna have one eventually, your spiritual reality, so the fact that your identity is in Christ, and that you have eternal life waiting for you, that transcends your circumstances. So even though your circumstances might get hard, they might get messy, They might suck. Remember, your spiritual reality transcends your circumstances. So in response to our hope being in Jesus, even in trials, Peter is going to encourage these people he's writing to to live a holy life. So let's keep reading. Um, We left off somewhere in verse 13. We're going to start back in 13. So it says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which, you, which were yours in your arrogance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior because it is written you shall be holy for I am holy if you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work conduct yourself in fear during the time of your stay on earth knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from the f- futile ways of life inherited from your forefathers but were p- but with precious blood As the Lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ, for he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you who, through him, are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. So, Peter is saying here that when trials come your way, when you feel the weight of the world, when you feel the pressure of being a stranger in this world, that you better prepare your minds for action. He's saying you can't get lazy. You can't get complacent. You can't get comfortable. Your minds always have to be ready for action. Um, One commentary I was reading this week was talking about how the um, the original way that this was interpreted was to grid up the loins of your mind, and so this is, this is a really bad picture, but this is um, something kind of like what people would, would wear in who Peter was writing to, and so they have these long tunic robe things on, right, and to do anything fast or to have action, they would have to grid up their loins to be able to move, right? If you've ever tried to run, if any of the girls in the room have tried to run with a dress on, you can't move very quickly, right? So he's speaking to them in this familiar language that they need to grid up the loins of their mind and be ready for action. But a more modern way to put this is in the words of Zac Ephron. You might want to watch High School Musical now? We can have a movie night. We can watch it here on the big screen. Let me know. Kaylin. you want to plan it? Okay. Um, but Peter's saying here, we got to get our head in the game. We have to be ready for action. And then he quotes God in Leviticus saying, Be holy as I am holy. So Peter's saying here, Don't fall back into your former ways. Be set apart from your old self, right? And the way that this is different than the world is the world tells us, you do whatever you want to do. You do whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you comfortable, whatever brings you joy, doesn't matter. But what Peter is reminding us, that we are supposed to be holy, to be set apart from our former way of life like God is holy. So, I love how Scott McKnight um, puts this. He says, God does what is consistent with his nature, be holy. Conversely, we humans do what is consistent with our own nature, we sin. Therefore, in order for human beings to be holy, we need a new nature, just as God's holiness is more than the sum of his actions. Holiness for human beings does not consist merely of a list of do's and don'ts. It is about being distinct from the broader society, but as a result, having a new nature. That new nature is one of love, goodness, and obedience to God. So being holy is moving further and further away from our former way of life and moving closer and closer to the new nature we have in Christ. And that's what the act of baptism helps us remind us. Uh, We're doing a night of baptism in a few weeks that we get to profess our faith to our brothers and sisters, to the whole world, and say, we're putting to death our former way of life by going under the water. We're putting to death our old nature, and we're coming out of the water into new life, into our new nature, and we want to be set apart from our old selves, right? Right? Some of our college friends are going to get to celebrate a baptism in a few weeks. And if that's something that you want to talk about and you're interested in, please come talk to me about it. Um, it's Sunday night, the, I should know, the 29th here, the 28th. It's a Sunday night, so whatever that last Sunday of the month is. Um, it's going to be a giant party. But Peter ends this section saying that God paid a really, really big price for you to not have to stay in your brokenness, to not have to stay in death. So move into that freedom that Jesus allowed you to have by dying on the cross. So let's, let's talk about this for our next discussion time. How can you get your head in the game And are there any old ways that you want to be set apart from? So y'all talk about it. All right. Anyone want to share some encouragement of how you get your your head in the game? Or anything else you want to share from your table time? Being here, yeah, that's,
2: that's a really good one. Hi, everyone. Um, Something that I said that I've really found being here and, like, being able to be in, like, God-given community, I think, like, community that you can rely on and almost, like, word vomit out to people that you trust. Like, I'm going through this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I need help with this. And then, like, getting that weight off your chest. Somebody said it earlier. I think you said it, not, like, bearing your burdens alone and, Mm -hmm. like, getting, like, to share openly with people that you know, like, have your back 100% is something for me, like, And I think a lot of people just, like, get your head in the game and, like, be able to know that people know you for who you are. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's hard also with the sport analogy thing, like, to get yourself pumped up on your own, right? Like, you're going to have so much more energy and excitement and focus when your whole team's in it and challenging each other together. So I love that. All right. So um, our table kind of talked about
1: the way to, like, get your head in the game is, like, worship music um like like any athlete like you have like a hype playlist something Mm -hmm. that you listen to like before you go and like get yourself prepared i think like you can like face any day with that so they were kind of saying like listening to worship music and listening to like specific lyrics and like honing in on those and really hearing it rather than just like listening to it on wednesday nights or sundays
0: yeah it's awesome abby
2: Hey guys. So we kind of talked about how everyone has different versions of getting their head in the game. So like um, some people may get their head in the game with like worship music or other people may be reading their Bible or other people may be praying every day. And we kind of just talked about how um, you may not have like one of those, you may shine in one of those areas and those other two areas you feel like you're not shining in. But to like remember that um, everything, like whenever you're also, I just lost my th- train of thought. <laughs> but, uh, basically, um, you're not going to always stay, like, shining in that area because, like, we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. And we talked about that. Um, just making sure um, you're picking one of those, I mean, worship, uh, reading your Bible or um, accountability or whoever that is for you, um, just, like, relying in the Lord and your community. Um, that way you don't feel alone and yeah. that way you can keep getting your head in the game.
0: Yeah. People remind you, like, hey, you're getting, yeah. you're losing your focus. We also talked about I went and joined them over there, but how sometimes um, you might not want to do it. You might not want to get your head in the game. You might want, not want to make the right decisions that get you in the, the right spiritual mindset and draw you closer to God. But sometimes you just have to be disciplined, and it's not, you're not wrong, you're not a bad Christian when you're in a season of like not feeling it, but it's okay to be disciplined and make yourself do it and the Lord will honor that. David?
3: Hi, my name is David and that's question that remind me uh, Matthew uh, chapter ch- chapter 16 verse 24 like, then Jesus told his disciple, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, so it means like when you're fighting inside of yourself so for me like temptation it's like it's what your feeling wants, but your head does not want that is temptation mm-hmm. and but if you roll your feeling away, we're not a real human anymore so for me any action come from your head and your heart combine, that is why so that's why this is your head in the game. Yeah. And also like life is what you have to do, not what you want to do. So after everything you can see how terrible what we like to do. Mm-hmm. So do what God wants you to do, not what you want to do. That is the way we need to be a reason in this world. Yeah. So again yourself and follow God.
0: Yeah, cuz our sinful nature is the normal thing, right? Like that's what that's what we naturally crave. So we have we can't just listen to that because that's going to lead us in a path of destruction. And so learning to deny yourself, yeah, noticing this is this is my sinfulness. This is my flesh. It's not of God, for sure. And I also I want to note too that when you decide to follow Jesus, whether you get baptized or you make a decision in your heart, it doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect the next day, right? You're still going to mess up, but God is going to pursue you and you're not ever too far gone, okay? And so I don't want you to feel like you're not actually in relationship with God if you continue to mess up, um, That just is proof that you need a savior more and more, right? And you can't stay there if we continue to do the same thing over and over and over again. That's not good, right? But you don't have to be perfect. So just wanted you to hear me say that. Anyone else? Any other encouragement? How to keep your head in the game? Okay, we're for for real going to have a high school musical night. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, well, I just, I want to end by saying, um, one, there's, there's a lot of really good ways to keep your head in the game that we've talked about community scripture. Um, but I think prayer is so, so important. And so I really want to, to challenge you guys this week to be very honest in your prayers. Um, to come to the Lord with whatever you're dealing with. And whether that's being honest about a trial that you're going through right now, being willing to say, God, this, this sucks. I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. I'm hurting. Be real with God in your prayers. Read Psalms if you don't know what to say. Um, and secondly, be real in confessing where you're struggling where your flesh, where your sinful nature is being really, really loud right now. God can handle it. Be honest with him and let him know, hey, this, this is the temptation that I'm struggling with right now. So that's my challenge to you guys this week. Um, I'm gonna pray us out and then I have a few announcements before we go. God, we are so, so thankful. you. We're thankful for your word that we get to learn from. We're thankful for many, many Christians before us who we get to read about and see your faithfulness and then get to see how you're continuing to be faithful in our own stories. God, I pray that for any of us in the room that are going through trials right now, that we can just realize that you're with us, that you understand what we're going through, that you care, and that we would use those trials to draw closer to you, that we wouldn't get distracted and take cheap ways out, but that we would run to you. God, and I I pray that, that you would... Put new cravings on all of our heart. That we would crave goodness and love and mercy and joy and peace. That we would crave all the fruits of the Spirit, Lord, and that we wouldn't crave the things that are harmful to us, the things that hurt us, the things that draw us away from you. God, we love you, and we're thankful for the ways that you pursue us, for the ways that you love us, even when we don't deserve it. Thankful we get to rest in the fact that we are your sons and daughters, and that is the most important identity that we can ever have. We love you in your name. Amen.